And now, from the Save on Foods Wines of British Columbia studios, it's BC Food and Wine Radio. Now, here's Anthony Gizmondi. Cause I don't care when I'm with my baby, yeah. All the bad things disappear. You're making me Hello, feel British like Columbia. From Princeton to Bentick and in all other points across the province on our BC Food and Wine Radio Network and around the world on our podcast. Uh, I love this time of the year. Uh, it's a great time to explore uh, local restaurants, of course. Uh, uh, you can get in on that and uh, dine out Vancouver, always a, a fun thing to do. Also, it's a great time to explore winery restaurants. You know, it's kind of a fun fact, but you, if you go to the U.S., you don't. there are no restaurants at wineries, very, very few. And why is that? Well, most of that wine country was uh, built up in super old towns who'd been around for a long time and had their own restaurants. There was no need for winery restaurants. And in the Okanagan, when they got going, there were no restaurants in those small towns. So you have things like uh, the restaurant at Unsworth in the Cowichan, fantastic place to stop. Miradoro at Tinhorn Creek. Uh, Phantom Creek Estates has a fantastic new restaurant on the Black Sage Bench. Uh, the Kitchen at De Silva, one of my favorite places to hang out on the Naramata bench, and the Hillside Bistro just down the road from that as well. And then maybe one of the best restaurants in all of the Okanagan in uh, Kelowna, Home Block at Cedar Creek. Never been a better time to get out and explore. Now, on the show today, uh, we're going to explore. We're going to Alsace to talk to Marc-Andre Hugel about uh, Alsace Riesling, Alsace sparkling wine that we've heard nothing about until now. Uh, so that should be fun. Jean-Claude Moss from the Languedoc, he's one of the kingpins of the south of France, uh, putting the Languedoc on the world wine map at the same level, hopefully, as Bordeaux, Burgundy, and Champagne. That's the goal. Alice Payard, who is in Champagne, was a delightful interview for us, and uh, we can't wait for you to hear about that and uh, how Bruno Payard is surviving in a very competitive Champagne world. But up next, the soul of Spanish wine, Telmo Rodriguez. This is BC Food and Wine Radio. I'm Anthony Gizmondi, and we are set to go. There's more to come. This is BC Food and Wine Radio with Anthony Gizmondi. Plan a romantic getaway this February and make Penticton the place to fall in love with winter and with each other. Enjoy mountain adventures or just take it easy with a visit to one of over 80 area wineries, cideries and distilleries or the eight craft breweries. Dine out and experience fantastic locally sourced restaurants too. It's the perfect destination for a romantic winter getaway. Before you go, head to visitpenticton.com for information on Valentine's packages and events. A ring-a-ding-ding. Time for happy hour at the Modest Butcher at Mount Boucherie Estate Winery. Featuring wine by the glass starting at just five bucks, along with the most fabulous gourmet bites the West Side has ever seen. Daily from 2 to 5 p.m. Plus, join us for Tommy and Tannen Tuesdays. Order a giant tomahawk ribeye and get your first bottle of Mount Boucherie Reserve Merlot for just five bucks. The Modest Butcher at Mount Boucherie Estate Winery. See you today. Discover the good life right in your own backyard. Destination, the Watermark Beach Resort in beautiful Asuyus. Featuring spectacular views of Asuyus Lake, walking distance to shops, plus dining at the Watermark's very own 15 Park Bistro. And make sure to book your spring and summer travel now to avoid disappointment at the South Okanagan Resort that defines easy living. Visit watermarkbeachresort.com for full details and keep up to date on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The legend lives on. 
Three Finger Jack roamed the rugged, lawless gold country wilderness along the east ridge of Lodi in Old California, searching relentlessly for riches. The gold may be gone, but this wine, grown in the land where Jack rode, pays tribute to his outlaw nature. A bold Cabernet Sauvignon, truly worthy of that legendary name, Three Finger Jack, outlaw by nature. Discover the legend at a BC liquor store near you or visit threefingerjack.com. From the Save-On Foods Wines of British Columbia Studios, it's BC Food and Wine Radio. Now, here's Anthony Gismondi. It's so Hello, British Columbia. Wow, how time flies. It's already the end of January. Uh, so many things to do this time of the year across BC, including uh, catching up with the end of Dine Out Vancouver. You can still have time to get there. It runs through until Sunday, February 5th. Uh, great chance to discover new places uh, to eat across the city and across the metropolitan Vancouver, really, all over the place. Now, on the show today, uh, Telmo Rodriguez, uh, he's a pioneering Spanish winemaker and terroir hunter and an advocate for growing native grape varieties and uncovering ancient vineyard sites. More than that, he's the most passionate guy you'll ever hear in the wine business. You just have to listen to him for five minutes, and you will drink wine the rest of your life, or you'll want to be a winemaker and make wine for the rest of your life. We caught up with Telmo at the end of his harvest time, and he talked about how he built his company over the past three decades, but most of all, he talks about passion. Spain is one of the most complex countries in Europe. We have an idea, only in Galicia we have more biodiversity than, than in the entire France. So we are, a, we, are a, we are a complex, a rich, and I think a very, very exciting country. It's true that in Canada and in British Columbia, you only know sometimes the, the bigger names and the, the more generic wines. But uh, we also understand that in Spain, we have amazing places, amazing and, and and we are a very old country. You know, we have been making wine for more than 2,000 years. So I think for me it was an amazing challenge to try to recuperate those unknown, very, uh, I think, very historic, and I think, I think those places that they were like sleeping. So uh, for me, yeah. it's been extremely exciting to be traveling for 30 years and discovering those, you know, we have hundreds of nation, native grapes, uh, amazing places and amazing landscapes. So well, this has been my challenge. So uh, I think today... A new Spain is born with uh, beautiful wines, with very rare wines, and I think this is what is uh, the most exciting thing in Spain today. Yeah, and and your own wines. We're speaking with Telmo Rodriguez uh, about Spanish wines. Telmo, you've uncovered a lot of old varieties, and you're growing them, and yet in some ways you say the grape is not as important as the site. What What do you mean by that, as important as the vineyard? Yeah, but this is something I love to say even more in the States or in Canada. You know, sometimes we talk too much about wine, like using, well, this is 30% of Cabernet, 40% of Merlot, and 20%. I think, you know, for me, the, I love to say that the, the grape is like an antenna. It's like a loudspeaker that speaks about a place. And, uh, you know, I think the best example, you have Burgundy. You know, the Pinot Noir in Volnay has nothing to do with the Pinot Noir in Musigny or a Pinot Noir in Poma. I, I, I mean that at the end, the grape is the, the kind of loudspeaker to talk about the complexity and the originality of a, of a, of a place. So uh, uh, and I love the idea that we use those grapes in order to, to express better uh, a site. For example, when I did in Remeyuri, you know this, 
white wine that I was using, nine different grapes. I think every grape was talking about Remiuri in a different way. And the blend of all this was like, uh, I think was creating an amazing taste and a, an amazing way to show the beauty of this beautiful uh, property. So at the end, yeah. it's true that, uh, of course, we, we work we work with grapes, but at the end, the grape is, and it's why our ancestors, they were using different uh, grape varietals to talk about different places because every grape was talking about the, the, the original sites in a different way, and I think that was the best expression of the place. So it's yeah. why I love to talk about, you know, for me, never a wine is like a, it's like a salad that you use different ingredients. At the end, you know, the wine is much more complex. Yeah. We have three wines in, in front of us here. I'd love to get your opinion on them because they're sold here in B.C. People can go out and buy these wines. We're going to start with the Lanzaga wine uh, because it's it's such a great story. Tell us a bit about about your your concept of the village and the growers and how this, uh, how this wine uh, works into all of that. Yes, my, I, I love that you did to the Lanzaga. I think Lanzaga was my challenge to go back to Rioja with a mentality of the 18th century. Uh, Rioja region is all about villages. You know, in Rioja we have more, more than 100 villages that every village we could produce uh, a completely different taste. So yeah. my, my idea too was to go to the village of Lanciego, and it's why I call my wine Lanzaga. Lanzaga means Lanciego like the Burgundy label that you talk about the site, you talk about the village. So I mm-hmm. went there with one idea was to become a human-sized vineyard, so a, a, a small a human-sized property. So my challenge was to produce very little quantity of wine. I think today we still produce around 27,000 bottles of this wine. And is is the, 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 the very specific taste from very specific village that is in... In the, in the mountains of the Rioja La Vesa. And, and I wanted just to produce, you know, a wine with a small a bunch of vineyards. So I think this completely to go back to the 18th century with the small growers, with the families, they were producing wines with a small vineyard. And, uh, you know, all this change in the 19th century becoming much more commercial and more industrial. So this is the challenge to go back to the human size and the, the beautiful idea that the small is beautiful. Yeah. And and is it something that really interests the young people in Spain today to, to, to work in this way? Well, I think it's true that, uh, as I said, today we are revealing there's a new generation that is looking for recuperating, rediscovering small sites, more focusing in terroir. You know, there is a new generation of young producers that they love good wine and that they have been traveling in the best vineyards in the, in the whole world. And it's true that a new, a new wine world is born in Spain that is going mm. to reveal all those. Uh, and it is what, what did happen with the gastronomy. People thought that Spain was paella and was chorizo, you know, very, very, very standard cuisine. And suddenly we did discover that Spain became like a power in, in the way to talk about the different uh, culinary or the, the, the gastronomies in the different in the different uh, regions, the Basque, yeah. the Catalans, and today, you know, today Spain is a power in gastronomy. I think Spain is going to be exactly. I think that I'm telling you, in the next ten years, is, is Spain is going to reveal, is going to show the beauty of one of the most complex countries of Europe. So I think this 
and this is in the hands of young people that they are doing an amazing effort to show in a very radical but in a very beautiful way the, yeah. the, the Spanish terroirs and not at all to talk about you know generic places or generic brands. I think this is yeah. extremely exciting. Well, uh, and I'd love to talk about it all day long, but I have do have time constraints. Let's talk about another uh, area that's new, maybe a little bit new to Canadian Sierra de Gredos. This Pagasso wine that you're making is so sensational. What can you tell us about this area and, and what you're doing there? Well, I love too that you did choose Pegaso because, in fact, I told you that today I just arrived from uh, from Pegaso this afternoon. We finished yesterday the harvest, and I'm very proud because I was pioneer. You know, I started this project in the in the late '90s when nobody was making wine there, and I was amazed to find at 1,000 meters one some of the most beautiful Garnacho grapes in those beautiful old bush vines that they were there waiting for somebody. Never a winemaker, never a, a, an engineer came to this area. And, and that's been yeah. amazing. I, I had the impression to be like Indiana Jones, you know, in, uh, in Gredos. Gredos is, is absolutely beautiful landscape. And today we are saying that this a new beautiful wine region is, is born in Spain. So it's true that there are some of the most amazing garnachas in the world. So people compare those garnachas with Chateau Gaillard. And, uh, you know, there are difficult to work there. We have very old vines that they produce less than 10 hectoliters per hectare, so they are oh, very steepy and very difficult, very, very difficult to work. But it's true mm -hmm. that we did, uh, I think we did, uh, a new wine is born in Gredos uh, with this idea of one of the most exciting garnachas. Today, I was tasting the new vintage, and it's very, very original, very pure, so that is a very there is a new way to understand Grenache with a with a very very fluid and very crocant uh, approach to Garnacha, and I think it's magnificent. It's true that Pegaso, we have one particularity: is one vein of slate in a world of granite. Yep. Because normally Tierra de Creos we have a lot of granite uh, at soil, but I don't know if you have the Pegaso Granito or Pegaso uh, Pizarra. Which one are you tasting? Uh, I'm tasting the, the Barrancos de Pizarra. Pizarra. Now, this is the, yeah. the most beautiful slope in, in, in the village of, uh, of Sebreros. Very, very pure, uh, very pure uh, vineyards with, as I said, very, very intense and complex uh, mm -hmm. aromas of, 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 of slates in, the, in this in Garnacha. I'm, I'm in love, you know. I'm in love, and I'm in love to see that where we work, we've been working there in one of the most uh, amazing uh, vineyards in the world. There's lots more still ahead. This is the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. Welcome to the Loops. When you love something, you want to do it again and again. Here in Kamloops, you can do laps on your mountain bike or play another round of golf. And when you're ready, welcoming eateries will gladly bring out budget-friendly second helpings or refills. Later on, you can raise the roof for a melodic encore before tucking into a comfy bed, then waking up to discover something new to do all over again. That's what we mean by Welcome to the Loops. Go to TourismCamloops.com to plan your next road trip to the Loops. Take your wine appreciation to the next level and become a rebel. 
Welcome to the Rebel Club at Liber Farm and Winery. As a Rebel member, you'll enjoy a regular shipment of exemplary Liber wines for your cellar, along with complimentary tastings and VIP treatment at the winery and more. And with the ease and convenience of online ordering, your wine will be shipped straight to your door. Discover more at LiberFarm.com. Simply great wines. The most exciting club in the Okanagan is Summer Hills Organic Wine Club. When you become a member, you'll receive 24 bottles per year of sommelier-curated organic wines. Enjoy preferred pricing and free delivery. Plus, members earn double gratitude points, which gives 20% of each order back in your pocket. Get insider information on Summer Hill's new releases and special events. Enjoy the flavors of Summer Hill. Join the Organic Wine Club at summerhill.bc.ca. Your wine collection is your pride and joy. Years of searching and selecting has merited you an enviable list, but it's time to find a new home for some or all of your wine. As the only auction in Canada dedicated to fine wines and spirits, Iron Gate Auctions offers collectors a safe, inexpensive way to liquidate their collections online. They are experts in the field with the knowledge and acumen to maximize the return on your assets. To find out more, visit irongateauctions.com. The legend lives on. Three Finger Jack roamed the rugged, lawless gold country wilderness along the east ridge of Lodi in Old California, searching relentlessly for riches. The gold may be gone, but this wine, grown in the land where Jack rode, pays tribute to his outlaw nature. A bold Cabernet Sauvignon, truly worthy of that legendary name. Three Finger Jack, outlaw by nature. Discover the legend at a BC liquor store near you or visit threefingerjack.com. From our Save on Foods Wines of British Columbia studios, it's BC Food and Wine Radio. Now, here's Anthony Gismondi. Every little breeze seems to whisper Louise. Earth in the trees seem to twitter Louise. Each Hello, BC. Welcome to the show. Hey, Alice Payard joins us today. She's the CEO and proprietor of uh, Bruno Payard and Champagne. Uh, she's such a fantastic woman. By the way, uh, did you know there's 20 million bubbles in a glass of champagne? I mean, just think about that. Uh, Alice joins us to talk about her champagne house. We talk about style. Very important. There's always a style to a champagne house. So she tells us a bit about the style of Payard that was founded by her father, uh, we reached her just after the harvest, which means all the grapes have already been picked, and uh, she was in a fantastic mood. We had the most delightful conversation, and I suggest you open a bottle of champagne and join us. They have, indeed, and in fact, they have been for a while, because it has been a, an early harvest. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we started end of August, so we finished picking mid-September, and it's almost been a month now. Yeah. For our listeners, I mean, you you generally pick early anyways because you you need that acidity. But uh, as as the earth warms up, I guess things have been changing. Yeah, in fact, it's well. I'd, I'd say three centuries ago, Champagne uh, had to pick up uh, the grapes late because it was so slow for the maturation to arrive. Mm-hmm. And now, obviously, the maturation is faster. And as you say, we also want to preserve the acidity. So we do pick up much earlier. Yeah. Okay, well, uh, because we have you, we're going to ask some simple questions. A lot of people uh, need a little background on Champagne. But uh, let's just start with the region itself. What's so special about Champagne in your mind? Ah, 
Well, you know how we define terroir. Terroir is a uh, is three elements together, a ground, a climate, and people. And it's really this interaction between all of them. So if I had to pick one special element about the ground of Champagne, it would be chalk for me, which is the, the sure. very interesting part of Champagne, even, even if there are other grounds. Mm-hmm. And then the climate, which is obviously evolving, but it is, it is semi-continental, and that remains that tendency to have both a continental and a sea influence, and then the people, because I think in Champagne there has been a, a culture of seeking, um, innovating, uh, adapting for forever. Because it, because it is, it has not been a natural easy region for wine. You know, wine is, no. is supposed to be a Mediterranean thing, and Champagne is not exactly Mediterranean. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> Our guest is Alice Payard. She's the CEO and proprietor of Champagne Bruno Payard. Let's let's talk a bit. We hear a lot about styles, house styles, and styles of champagne. So, how would you describe the Bruno Payard style? Oh, yeah. I guess we hear about styles because the heart of the heart of the art of champagne, if I can say, is this notion of creation, uh, blending. Of course, it started the vineyards by having you know the the, the perfect ground expression, but after that, there was this work of creation in the cellar, and to create something, you need a goal, you need an aim, you need something you you want to express and reach, and that that is probably why that notion of style comes very regularly in Champagne. In, in our case, it's really a, a work around the notion of of purity. By that, I mean feeling the direct connection with the ground, feeling the uh-huh. expression really of that chalky soil of champagne so we are always looking for a lot of, of precision our wines are often said like sizzled um precise um with this purity in hand but of course civilized and so by that it means giving them time giving them aging uh, right. so, so that so that they they, they they are rich and open well, they're they're fantastic wines. I mean, I'm I'm always uh, enthralled by the minerality in your wines, the salinity, the the saltiness, the the freshness of the wines. I mean, these are some of the things that that we buy champagne for, and at Payard they have them uh, in spades. So let's talk about that, or let's talk about complexity and how these wines are made. And we'll start with the two. We've got two of the wines that are in the market here. The the uh, Premier Cuvée. Let's start with that. We didn't mention grapes, so what kind of grapes go into the Premier Cuvée? And tell us a bit about this wine. Oh, well, uh, with pleasure. Uh, complexity in Premier Cuvée is a, is a great theme because when you're with a wine like Premier Cuvée, you're with a wine of uh, assemblage by excellence, which by that I mean different years together. So that's the first way to bring complexity. In the bottle of, of Premier Cuvée, there are drops of 85 and a bit more of 86, and a bit more of 87, et cetera, et cetera, for 25 years. That's, wow. that's called the perpetual reserve, and that's something my father had started. And it's, it, it's, so it's, it's, it's very subtle, um, because that's our style, but, but it's very important in the complexity of the wine. And then mm-hmm. another way to bring complexity in Premier Cuvée is the diversity of the terroirs entering. There are right. more than 30 crus terroirs that each of them have a specific ground, a specific, specific orientation, um, the microclimate, and so they will obviously uh, bring different nuances. 
And of course, the last but not least element is the, differ- the type of grapes, as you mentioned. So mm-hmm. having different villages, by, of course, will mean we have different grapes as well, because each terroir is meant to carry a specific grape. You know, you do, some places yeah. are meant for Pinot Noir and others are meant for Meunier and others are meant for Chardonnay. Uh, right. So in Premier, in, in Premier Cuvée, there is a touch of Meunier, 22%. 33% of Chardonnay from Côte des Blancs and 45% of Pinot Noir. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, it's absolutely delicious and uh, a very versatile wine too, but uh, I, I just love it. Uh, I love talking about the complexities in wine. People want to always simplify wine, but I always remind them that wine's a pretty complex thing. Uh, but yeah. if you let it come to you, uh, you'll learn more about it as time goes on. Now, uh, there's there's all the rage about Blanc de Blanc. Everybody loves to drink Blanc de Blanc now for its for its elegance. What can you tell us about this Blanc de Blanc that you're making and and the specifics of you know where it comes from? Yes, the well, there are different territories again for Chardonnay and Champagne. So, you, as as you know, Blanc de Blanc means made white wine made from white grapes. So, in Champagne, predominantly Chardonnay. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, in our case, we focus specifically on Côte de Blanc. This is where the Grand Cruz are. And the reason we focus there is because that's where the ground is massive, Belemnet chalk. Uh, and that is the interesting part of, you know, our, our ground is of uh, uh, animal origin. So it's uh, all the influence of the sea of 90 million years ago. Um, and, uh, and in this case, it's particularly two Grand Cru, which are Le Menil and Auger. So mm. we are looking to stick with the roots very deep in the chalk, that salinity, um, that, that length, uh, that vibrancy in, in the wine. Uh, but that is the work in the vineyard. But to, to protect this in the cellar and to enhance this, uh, it's important to work only with the first pressing. That's what we do with all our wines, so also for the Blanc de Blanc Cru. Only the first part of the juice, which is the purest one. And it's important to have low dosage, low level of sugar. Um, all our wines at Bonopaya for that are extra brut. It means they're below right. six grams. So really, you can feel the, 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 the wine. But to do that, you need to give them time. Huh? If you don't want to use too sh- sugar, you need to use time. Voilà. Sugar is a, is a cheap uh, uh, yep. um, uh, way to not use time. But, uh, well, voilà. let's, so it's and for, let's talk. For five years that you drink for mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I don't want to run out of time, but we it, it, talking about time. So the Premier Cuvée, when we buy that, should we age it or can we age it? And, and then how long would we age the Blanc de Blanc? Well, what's the difference between the two in the terms of that when we have it Hello. here? That's that's you can do that um, easily on the back level of each of our bottles is the disgorgement date. It tells you before that the wine aged with its lees in the bottle. Uh, right. It's what we call the auto lees, so it's a certain enrichment of the wine. After that, it has no more lees in the bottle, so it starts a different life, a different aging. And any beautifully made champagne, which is well kept has a wonderful aging potential after disgorgement. I know mm. it's not repeated enough, and that's something we've, uh, my father always spoke about and I have worked about for 15 years, you know, and showing it. But um, So if, if you like it in its, in its fruit first uh, aromas, then you should drink it in the two, three years after it's disgorged. But if you enjoy 
going toward more flower notes or then more spicy notes or more torrefaction notes, etc., you can wait 6, 9, 10, 12 years after this courtroom. The wine yeah. is alive and it's, of course, you need to have a correct seller, um, but it's a, it's, it's a wonderful adventure at a, in fact, you take a bottle of Premier Cuvée, you forget it in a good cellar for five, eight or ten years, you you serve it to anyone, it will tell you it's a special vintage or, you know, it's sure. uh, it, it's wonderful. Yes, and uh, you make a great point about the disgorgement date. So on the back of the, the Premier Cuvée, this one says December 2019, so you know when it was uh, wow, first, first brought off the leaves. Uh, yeah. In five. That's wonderful. I love it with, when it's pieced almost three years after this quarter, but now it has opened its wings very much. We yeah. ship it after a minimum of six months extra edge after this quarter, in addition to the three years on the lease before, of course. And yeah. so when we, sh- at six months, it's, it's, um, it's much tighter. It's closer to a kind of a blade, very dominated with the citrus. The Chardonnay expresses more. Mm-hmm. Where you are now, it's, it's, uh, it's rounder. It has opened its wings a little bit. It has started to show and feel the complexity of the reserve wines and the mul- multi-layers it had. There's more to come. This is BC Food and Wine Radio with Anthony Gismondi. Discover the best wines for wintertime at Save On Foods. Cozy sweaters, movie marathons, hearty home-cooked meals. Find wines that pair perfectly with the season. At Save On Foods, there are more than 1,300 BC VQA wines all in one place. Plus, when you pick up any four bottles, get 10% off your purchase. There's something special about winter and wine. Get set for the season at Wines of British Columbia at Save On Foods. With 22 locations, find yours at saveonfoods.com. Penticton, a perfect place for mountain adventures and a romantic escape this winter. After a day in the snow, stop in for a visit to one of the local wineries. Enjoy the quieter time of year with an intimate winter wine tasting for two and a chance to sample some incredible ice wines. It's the ideal destination for a relaxing and romantic winter getaway with that special someone. Before you go, head to visitpenticton.com for information on Valentine's packages and events. Clos du Soleil makes wines that speak of the Similkameen soil where their grapes are grown and the souls of the people who call this valley their home. Winemaker Michael Clark and his team specialize in wines that blend Bordeaux grape varieties with their unique mountainous terroir. The result is wines that are elegant, ageable, and authentic. Clos du Soleil, wild places, soulful wines. Available at closdusoleil.ca and fine restaurants and wine stores near you. Today's real estate landscape is fast-paced and complex. Now more than ever, whether you're a buyer or a seller, it's vital to work with a professional real estate company like Remax. Lean into their experience, local market knowledge, and connections. They are your market experts and are excited to help you make your dreams a reality. The right agents for today's market are at Remax with offices in Summerland, Penticton, and Asuyus. Call or visit them at YourSouthOkanaganHome.com. From the Save On Foods Wines of British Columbia Studios, it's BC Food and Wine Radio. Now, here's Anthony Gismondi. Hello, BC. Special shout out to our news talk and business stations across the network being in Bloomberg. 1410 in Vancouver, CFAX in Victoria, Radio NL in Kamloops, and AM 1150 
in Kelowna. Now, on the show today, Jean-Claude Moss, he's the owner of Paul Moss, uh, Domain Paul Moss. A uh, fun story about Jean-Claude. He was born into a winemaker environment in the Languedoc in a really small town called Pezenens. And at the age of three, during the harvest, he escaped from his mother and he ran two and a half kilometers down the road to uh, catch up with his grandfather in the cellar. It's a moment, he says, he never forgot and, and, and when his interest and passion for fine wine was born. Here's our conversation with Jean-Claude Moss, the creator of Lux Rual and Domaine Paul Moss. Uh, number one, I will explain as an inheritance of a typical guy that was born in the Languedoc, you know, a grape farm that they switch from a, a, a mass production philosophy for supplying the miners, the, the, the blue colors, you know, the working class back in the 70s to a, a world of making wine for, for wine for, as we understand today, wine. I mean, part of a social life, part of an enjoyment, part of a dinner, part of a way of life. Mm-hmm. So that's the, the first thing. In order to achieve today what I've achieved, I have to understand, I had to understand what was basically the best soil, the best area to plant such grape, such varieties, uh, to to try to make the the the, the, the most out of, uh, of our heritage of producing grape for thousands of years, uh, down to winemaking for wines that were basically what today consumers ex- expect. I mean, wine for pleasure, wine for, wine for enjoyment. So that's obviously obeyed to, to a certain category of grapes, but also to the ability to grow the grape in the proper way to have what today we consider as being a noble Cabernet Sauvignon, a noble Chardonnay. So I've developed all that by uh, experience, basically by empirism. Uh, I have a strong relationship with nature, with grapes farming, mm-hmm. but wine, wine making, wine tasting, wine blend, blending, I learned it by experience from uh, what I've seen in Italy, from what I've seen in the New World. And basically, I've applied this philosophy, this old world wine with new world attitude, to, uh, to the Languedoc by understanding the different areas of the Languedoc, trying to make the best out of each area where the vineyards. I've acquired many vineyards through the years, and also I've acquired an understanding of what are the best possible grape for a certain area. And yeah. today it's like a, a, a uh, it's like a, a galaxy of estates, 718 estates, which each one keeps its own autonomy, keep its own DNA, but follow what I expect, follow my direction. Yeah. Uh, our guest is Jean-Claude Moss. Uh, and uh, Domaine Paul Moss, uh, so many different wines from the south of France and the Languedoc. And I feel like in the last decade or two has that cachet at least in north america people think of it as a as a place that's producing excellent wine are you happy about that or do you feel that basically i would say that we have managed to show that we can produce wine for pleasure wine that can be very enjoyable at a very reasonable price and that took a few decades and now we're starting to show that we can produce wine the time called the best wine in the world. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, the the only difference is that the history that might have some region like uh, Bordeaux, Barolo, Burgundy, uh, or even Napa, and then we are starting to reach this level of reputation where, after making wines that are unquestionable great value for pleasure, we're getting into the the great wine world, and that it's happening. Yeah. It looks basically well, started to change the 80s. 90s was a kind of euphoria where we didn't know what we were doing, but we were still making a lot of money by producing Chardonnay. And then the 2000-2010, we run to a crisis where we knew what we planted, but we didn't know how to make the best out of a Chardonnay or a Cabernet, for example, number grape variety, but also... Right. That there were grapes like the transient grapes that if you do the proper vineyard farming, the proper vineyard management and the proper winemaking, you could also produce outstanding wine. This is happening now after four year, 40 years of revolution, I would say. Well, one of the things I love about, uh, about your wines, many of the introductory wines is the quality of them. It's a very high quality. It's very hard to produce. I think some people can get together and make one good wine, but it's very hard to produce a wine that uh, with a larger production at a high quality. And it, it says something about the company. Very few people can do that globally. So I want to talk about a couple of the wines. For instance, you have a Melbeck and a Grenache in our market, which you're basically giving away. The price is so great. I, I, I tell people to buy this wine all the time. But it's so well made. You 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 hit it on the head. What 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 would you say about Malbec and Grenache in the Languedoc? Basically, the Malbec comes from my vineyard in Limoux, and I identify Limoux as basically a great region to produce Malbec, and I managed to get reasonable yields with very good quality of grapes. So I yeah. can turn into a Malbec. There won't be an Argentinian Malbec. There won't be a Caro Malbec. And I managed to find this in-between road, let's say, which is my style. And that's how I would define my Malbec, with this kind of sapidity, this kind of uh, uh, savoriness that make it a bit unique on its style. And I think that it's quite approachable with a certain character, which is the character of my region. Mm-hmm. The Gonache, obviously, had been grown here for ages. And the Gonache can... Uh, the Grenache de Roussillon, for example, very silky, very high in alcohol, very sweet food. The Grenache more like the Gré de Montpellier or uh, in the more coastal part where you have more food-driven Grenache that you could confuse sometimes with a Pinot Noir with a strawberry character, cherry strawberry character. And then by blending these two characters from my different vineyards on the coastal part or in the Perpignan, I mean, the, 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 the Catalan, the, the Roussillon part, that yep. makes it's very interesting. This is why we got very great awards in the Grenache du Monde with uh, Grenache, which are, again, our own style. I try not to be like, I try to be myself, I try to have my own style. And that little by little, by a lot of uh, dedication, we managed to, we are starting to manage to have this recognition. Yeah, and to wrap it up. I want to talk about your style. I want to use a wine to talk about it. The Cote Moss Aurore, the, the rosé that we yeah. have in the market is so much fun. The label is so great. And I think it leads into the, the concept of, 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 of uh, Lux Ruelle too. So maybe tell us about the rosé and the life and what you've created or what you would like people to know about the south of France. 
Rosé has always been part of our life here. It has a bad reputation because it was, you know, nobody, people understand. But when you start to understand how to make a real rosé, I mean, number one, the red grapes that used for rosé are grapes that are not good for red wine. Mm-hmm. And this just are the red grapes that would be good for red wine are not good for rosé. So once you have understood that, when you understood that you have some land that can produce this uh, type of rosé, very savory, very fruity, very approachable, once you have understood that rosé can be part of our way of life. I mean, a glass of rosé with a game of pétanque has always been, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's a perfect part match. of our lifestyle. And yeah. with this label, this uh, kind of Art Nouveau label, I try to explain this pleasure of living in the south of France with a glass of wine, looking at the sunset, looking at the sunset on the Mediterranean, looking at our valley, I mean, because we have a beautiful landscape, uh, hearing the, the, the wind, because we have many different winds, looking at the, the landscape, you know, you cannot imagine how many greens variation we have here. And that was very unique. But when I get people to come here, I say, look how many greens we have. It's not one green, it's a variation. So all that's part of this luxury world, you know, these small things that make your life very different taking apples to the tree, eating it when it's ripe, uh, looking at your environment, hearing the, the sound of the bird or the wind. That's really typically the, the real luxury world. And when you have a glass of wine, obviously it exacerbates this, this, uh, this well-being state when you are in our countryside and when you are enjoying a good, uh, a good dinner, a good lunch, a good yeah. company. So great. Jean-Claude Moss, uh, so great to catch up with you and have a quick chat. I think that a lot of Canadians, uh, as as we get going and back in the moving business of getting around, will come to the south of France and they must come and visit you, uh, eat in your hey, restaurant. By the way, we have quite a few coming. Huh? Yeah. We have already quite a few. You know, Pézenas, my hometown where I was born, actually, yep. there are a few Canadians there and they have understood that uh, Pézenas was a a capital of the Occitanie in the, seven, uh, in the 17th century, they've understood that, you know, the stones talk to you also. I mean, it's kind of, we have such a heritage yeah. that uh, you, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, an experience. It's an experience. There's more to come. This is BC Food and Wine Radio with Anthony Gismondi. The Inn at Therapy Vineyards invites you to get away for a luxurious retreat experience. Modern rooms overlooking the vineyards and Lake Okanagan set the tone for a relaxing and refreshing stay on the Naramata bench. Relax on your patio, soak in the hot tub, and enjoy a guided tasting experience in the Therapy Vineyards wine shop. Book your room or order Therapy Vineyards award-winning wines and have them delivered to your door at therapyvineyards.com. Because everyone needs a little therapy. Penticton, a perfect place for mountain adventures this winter. After a day in the snow, stop in for a visit to one of almost 100 area wineries, many that stay open year-round. Enjoy the quieter time of year with an intimate winter wine tasting and a chance to sample some incredible local ice wines. Dine in world-class locally sourced restaurants too. It's the perfect destination for a relaxing winter getaway. Before you go, head to visitpenticton.com for information on wine tours and winery events. 
Join BC Food and Wine Radio and Anthony Gizmondi at the 44th Vancouver International Wine Festival, April 22nd to 30th at the Vancouver Convention Center. Tickets for the International Festival tastings featuring 152 wineries from 17 countries and highlighting South America are on sale now. Stay, sip, and save. Get a free tasting ticket worth up to $129 when you book a downtown hotel via stayvancouverhotels.com. Details at vanwinefest.ca. Don't wine and drive. The legend lives on. Three Finger Jack roamed the rugged, lawless gold country wilderness along the east ridge of Lodi in Old California, searching relentlessly for riches. The gold may be gone, but this wine, grown in the land where Jack rode, pays tribute to his outlaw nature. A bold Cabernet Sauvignon, truly worthy of that legendary name. Three Finger Jack, outlaw by nature. Discover the legend at a BC liquor store near you or visit threefingerjack.com. From our Save on Foods Wines of British Columbia studios, it's BC Food and Wine Radio. Now, here's Anthony Gizmondi. Hello, British Columbia, and shout out to all the Bounce Radio stations across the province. A special load of Bounce Radio Salmon Arm. Get him out in trail today. Now, joining us on the show is Mark Andre Hugel. He's the technical director in charge of uh, all production at uh, Famille Hugel in Alsace. Uh, it's always a pleasure to speak about this winery, uh, steeped in tradition, and, and uh, now 14 generations of Hugels making wine in Alsace. You know, Alsace, uh, it's been German, it's been French, it's been German, it's been French. So these are uh, unusual French wines. They're varietal wines. You, you pick up the label, you see Riesling, you see Pinot Blanc, you see Jean T. We're going to find out today what that means. But most of all, you taste fantastic wine. Here's our chat with Marc-André Hugel. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Hello, Vancouver. Yeah, well, it's a great pleasure to talk to you. Uh, I thought we'd start out with uh, maybe just a little quick uh, setup about Alsace and Hugh Gell and where you're at. Well, uh, it's easy. Uh, we are at the heart of the universe. Let me uh-huh. make it. Uh, we are right between France and, and Germany, which is the uh, heart of Europe, which is heart of the world, and I guess the heart of the universe. So uh, Rigbeer is the uh, middle of uh, uh, it's a small town, medieval town, uh, a thousand habitants, two million tourists. So that wow. explains so beautiful. Uh, the whole world comes to to us, but we export a lot, and we've been uh, uh, present on your your market and, and in your country for decades now. And uh, super happy to 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 be uh, on the on the show with you today. Yeah, we we've been through a few generations of Hugel. You look like the latest one. Are, are you the twelfth now generation? Thirteen. 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 Wow. Yeah. Huh? The, the phone uh, just got to sleep. My my daughter is uh, is six months, uh, seven months old now. <laughs> Number uh, fourteen. Yeah. What 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 is that like? Like when you were a little kid, like you you were part of a long story. Not many people work in a business that's been around for thirteen or fourteen generations. So what what's the secret? Well, uh, actually, I'm I'm kind of the the the, the stranger Hugel of the Hugel family because I, I I'm, I'm the only one uh, actually in thirteen generation that grew up somewhere else and then came back to uh, Rigby. Oh, so wow. I grew up 20 years in, uh, in Champagne. I, I was born in Epernay. Uh, I, I, I grew up in the middle of, of Epernay, uh, being surrounded with uh, Mouette et Chandon and 
and all those uh, prestigious uh, champagne house. And, uh, and, and I've made my studies uh, in Champagne and uh, it was like, okay, I have a, a whole family uh, waiting for me after all that studies in, in wine. And uh, I came back when I turned 25 and uh, I've been here for eight years now. Wow, yeah. what a great story. Uh, our guest is Marc-Andre Hugel. So I guess my first question is, you know, learning about wine and champagne, what have you brought back to Alsace perhaps that, that uh, the company will benefit from? Well, uh, obviously my, uh, my passion for bubbles. Uh, I, I, I really, uh, for, for almost, almost eight years, been struggling against my, my whole family to, to start doing our Cremant, our sparkling wine. Yeah. Uh, because uh, we never wanted to, to, to join that, that club because we always uh, knew that champagne would be better. But uh, because I'm, uh, on my passport, it says uh, Epernay. So yeah. I, I, uh, I have uh, the right to, to, to make it now. And uh, I'll just uh, make some, uh, some good sparkling. So I'm, uh, I'm excited to, to, to start with this new cuvee soon. Yeah. Oh boy, that's great news. Uh, that'll that'll be really interesting. Okay, well, let's talk about what we have in the market. We have some very uh, famous labels or wines. Maybe the one that's the most misunderstood or not known by consumers when they walk by it on the shelf is Jean T. What what yeah. is the story of Jean T? Well, to to make it easy for everyone, it's uh, it's a blend of all the region in 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 the same bottle. So it means all the the terroir, all the kind of soil, and then you have all the kind of varieties, the white uh, wine varieties we're growing, so eight varieties, uh, blended all together. And, and to be called gentil has to be noble, which means you have to use a majority of uh, Gewürz, Tremina, Riesling, Pinot Gris, and Muscat, and the rest can be Sylvaner and Pinot Blanc or, or, or other varieties. But uh, yeah, we, we blend all those eight together and... Uh, yeah. and Let's make a dry, fruity, uh, and very food friendly. And uh, yeah, the, the the Alsace wine by definition, like uh, yeah. you you have it all in the a same. Very, very aromatic wine. Uh, yeah. Is it, it? Would you classify it as the Elders Vicar too? Would it, would it? Could it be that, or is it different? Well, uh, Alsace Vicar, uh, Edels Vicar, sorry, was uh, was more about a big uh, a big mix of everything. Okay. Uh, the, 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 the cahier des charges, the, the law about uh, how we make the, the, the gentile was uh, brought back from uh, almost a century uh, without anyone producing it. And we started it back in the mid-90s. Uh, and uh, now it's, uh, yeah, it's being uh, quite a success because we, we, we make quite a, quite a few uh, bottles of, of gentile and uh, yeah. this is affordable. Uh, and and we expect everyone in uh, about 110 countries to to enjoy that that wine in any equation for just aperitif or it's even very food friendly because you yeah. have gavels yeah. uh, for you have uh, pinot gris for for white uh, white meat you have a uh, riesling for for fish and uh, and and seafood so yeah you have you have everything in the, you in got the it all in one bottle yeah. Okay, let's let's touch on the Riesling because Riesling's become a, a variety that's well known in British Columbia because we're doing some great stuff with it. Of course, there's German Riesling. So, where what is Elsass Riesling and how does it fit into the into the whole box of Rieslings? Well, uh, it's it's quite easy in in few words. Would be uh, the it's the the best Riesling in the world because it's uh, the only French Riesling in the world. So that's that's it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I like that. 
Well, maybe just quickly uh, about the style. What's yeah, your style? I would say we, we are very lucky in Rigby to have probably the most complex soil probably in the, in the whole continent. Uh, we have eight different kinds of soil on the same area, which is 220 uh, hectares. So that's quite few uh, per, uh, uh, surface. But uh, we, are, we have every combination uh, possible. Uh, we have, as I said, eight different kinds of varieties. We have uh, eight different kinds of soils. So, and if you combine with the time of period you harvest it, that means you can do uh, dry style, uh, sweet style, or uh, noble rot selection, for instance, uh, wow. which are the super uh, licorous uh, wine we, we produce. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, I, I don't know, probably we, Alsace is the magical place because we brought uh, Chardonnay, uh, Pinots, and, and Riesling, and, and, and Chasselas, and Auxerrois, and I mean, we are, as I said, the heart of, the, of Europe, yeah. and we brought yes. everything that is good around us, and, uh, and we have a, yeah, a, a perfect uh, uh, area to, to grow everything, so it's, it's good. We're talking with Marc-Andre Hugel, uh, soon to become technical director at, uh, at the Hugel Winer. He'll be in charge of all production in the coming new year. Uh, Marc, we hear a lot about German, uh, uh, sorry, about uh, Pinot Noir in France from Burgundy, but uh, what about your Pinot Noir? We're, we're discovering that it's quite a different animal. Yeah, uh, well, it's, it's, I would say, quite recent in Alsace history. We've been growing wine for 2,000 years almost since the Romans. Uh, but Pinot Noir quite, uh, is quite recent uh, from the 60s, 70s. Uh, so just like I was struggling to do my, my sparkling, my uncle was struggling, struggling himself with his uncle to do his Pinot Noir. And, mm. uh, and we've been learning for... Yeah, 40 years now how to grow good Pinot Noir and uh, we are still very affordable because we are uh, uh, a nice region with everyone and uh, everybody from the whole planet. And I would say that uh, Alsace Pinot Noir, uh, our classic, the one you, you have most chances to find uh, uh, in your country, uh, has no oak. So it's a pure uh, varietal uh, Pinot Noir, so quite light in style. Uh, you you can do uh, pretty uh, good matches with uh, with good meat, but don't expect to have a, a huge tannin. But uh, it's it's light, it's in style, and uh, yeah, it could be a a, a good uh, good option if you are running out of uh, of Burgundy and if you're looking for for good uh, North East Fr uh, French uh, Pinot Noir. And, and should we drink it right away, or do, will it sell or what, what's your opinion on that? Well, uh, I would say on the on the classic would be uh, it would be we we do the aging uh, in our cellar for at least two or three years, uh, and okay. and then you can find it. Uh, so that means you can drink it straight away. Uh, I, I would be quite frustrated if I couldn't drink the the bottle I'm I'm buying in the store but uh then you can uh yeah buy a case of six and uh drink one now and uh, and keep keep going for the next uh, five years <laughs> right hey listen mark that that's fantastic you gave us a lot of info and uh, we'll be excited to see will we see you sometime in north america then well, I'm um, I'm now I'm now quite fully booked. I'm a, I'm a young dad, and I'm uh, I'm <laughs> soon uh, gonna be uh, 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 yeah, as I say, technical director. But um, I'm traveling sometimes. I, I came to Montreal right before the the COVID, like uh, December 19 or something. Uh, 
and uh, why not? Uh, and, well, I've got a good uh, idea. We'll maybe come back maybe. to the North American uh, continent. So it's yeah, yeah. or or maybe uh, we'll just come and see you. That would be better. People could visit Alsace and come to Hugel. Definitely, definitely. You you know we are quite a uh, uh, welcoming uh, area, and uh, you can knock on every every doors, and uh, most of the time people would uh, at least would uh, get you a bottle of of wine or or right. coffee. Uh, if it's earlier than uh, nine in the morning, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> Thanks so much, Mark. Uh, it was fantastic. My pleasure. To talk. Great to talk to you. Thank you for your time. I know it's late at night, but uh, we'll have a All great right. holiday season. We'll talk to you next year. Thank you very much. Thank you, Canada. Cheers. That was Mark Andre Hugel, and that's it for today's show. Uh, thanks to our crew here in Vancouver: Dwayne Bishop, Sherry Caleb, and Hollywood Stu. Have a great weekend and an even better week ahead. That's it for today's show. This is BC Food and Wine Radio with Anthony Gismondi.